Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Hey, welcome to the show today. I'm really excited about our guest. I've had a chance to talk with her before the program and instantly liked her. She is such a great guest. So stay tuned for a great program today. You know, as you're looking at your fundraising calendar, you know that it's going to be a good month, or at least you hope, when the annual ask letters go out. No matter how much comes in, you know that it will be funds that you need to continue to fulfill your mission. But if you look at your fundraising calendar and you take out all the annual asks and Giving Tuesday and the yearly event and all of the other annual fundraisers that you do, how do you fill in the other weeks and months? Well, perhaps your fundraising might be a bit cyclical. Wouldn't it be great to have a steady stream of donors like all the time? According to the State of Modern Philanthropy, recurring donors are over five times more valuable to your nonprofit than one-time donors. They might generally give smaller amounts on a per-gift basis for monthly donors. The aggregate amount that they give over the course of the year almost always adds up to more. So how do you start a monthly gift program if you don't have one? How do you add a monthly donors campaign to your fundraising plan? Maybe you're a little hesitant to try it. And that's why we're here, absolutely. Our guest is Erica Wasdorf. Erica has written the book literally on developing monthly donor programs. In her book, Monthly Giving, The Sleeping Giant, Erica writes, quote, monthly giving brings sustainable income from your most committed donors. I love that, Erica. We've, been, we've invited her to join us today to discuss this more and to see if your nonprofit can even do this. Erica joins us from her home in New England. Erica, welcome, welcome. So glad to have you on Impactability today. Joe, I'm really excited to be here today. This is going to be great. Erica, I know there are lots of nonprofits out there where monthly gifts could be such a help to their fundraising goals. And you know that too. So let's start with the basics. Why do recurring gifts matter? Well, I mean, you've you've given some statistics already, right? So recurring gifts matter because they provide you with that unrestricted revenue that you need, you as a nonprofit need to keep your mission going, no matter what happens in the world or in the country or in your region or, you know, uh, in your town, it doesn't matter. That money keeps coming in. Those organizations that had monthly donors going into the pandemic were in a much better spot because you know so many people paused you know early on in in uh, during the COVID too they were afraid to ask because they were worried that donors weren't going to give and those organizations that had recurring givers well that money kept coming in so they they knew they could count on it so it's just money you can count on no matter what happens and I think then the other thing is they again. They're loyal donors. They're going to stay with you for many, many years. They're six times more likely to leave you in their will. They give more money. 
you can upgrade them to major donors down the road. I mean, you know, so so what's not to like about them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, would you say that a recurring gift benefits both the donor and the cause because of yes. like things like COVID? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Again, it's like, it, it's very donor centric. I mean, who doesn't want to be donor centric, right? So again, it's all about giving the donor the feeling that they can make a difference in an amount that is comfortable for them. So donors want to help. I mean, you know, they really care about the organizations that they support. They want to help, but they may not be able to write the big check yet. So in monthly giving, it's just a way that they can do it um, in a way that's, that's comfortable, that fits their budget. So it's, it's very donor-centric. It's easy for the donor, it's, and it's easy for you as a nonprofit. So let's say I'm a nonprofit and we're just not sure about doing this. It sounds great, obviously. So my question is, is there like a litmus test for a nonprofit to determine whether they're ready to go the monthly route or if they can even do this to begin with? Well, every nonprofit has a website. Every nonprofit has a tool to process gifts right? So they're accepting one-time donations. Every single tool, every single payment platform can handle monthly gifts now. Again, that used to be different, but now every single organization has the tool. The key thing is you have to start asking. This is something I can implement in my organization no matter how big, how small, how many people work there in development and fundraising, I'm a very direct person. I'm also very, I'm all about keeping it simple. So you have these tools, you can start very simply by doing one little thing that you're currently not doing and see what happens. And that one little thing could be adding a button in an email where in addition to say donate now, you say give monthly and go to a special page that you create that is focused on the monthly giving uh, option. And I think the other piece is like, before you maybe start worrying about what am I doing, take a look and say, how many monthly donors do you have now? Just take a look because you will find that some people have told you or have, you know, like written to you and said, hey, I would love to start a monthly gift. Can you help me set that up? They may have already asked you to set that up and you just haven't looked at it in a while. Um, and you may already have, you know, a few monthly donors in, in the system, if you will. And start there and see what are they giving? What's their average gift? How much is that worth on an annual basis? I'm always for annualizing, right? Because then you're like, oh, wow hey, 15 monthly donors may be worth, you know, $2,000, right? So, and if you if you start there, then you're like, oh, geez, what if I could double that, right? So, so it's just like little steps, um, you know, will we'll go uh, very, very far. I'm curious uh, about retention rates. Better yeah. with monthly giving? Oh, yeah, very, very much better. I mean, they're actually worth, like, they, the retention rates tend to be double, of what we're seeing. I mean, they've actually, you know, overall donors have gone down like 43%, I think is the latest stat I saw. So if you look at the fact that, you know, you had 100 donors last year, now you only have 43 donors. Well, if you can get them to give monthly, they, it's going up to 90%. 
So you're doubling the retention rate. If you can get them to give by a bank account, you go into 95% because people don't change bank accounts very often at all, right? And especially younger donors are comfortable with bank account giving. I, that, I see that trend going up and up and up and up. So more and more donors are very comfortable giving you their bank account information. I know we've talked a lot already and you've kind of tossed a few things at us, but I'm wondering what you would say the top five reasons that a nonprofit should invest their time, time they may not have, but why should they invest their time in monthly recurring gifts? We've said the donor retention rate doubles. Right. They give more money, right? You know, like five times more money. They're going to stay with you for a very long time. They're six times more likely to leave you in their well. And it's a very donor-centric way of um, allowing the donor to make a difference in an amount that they are comfortable with. Now you've you've kind of talked me into it. Okay. Now I'm really thinking we're gonna we're gonna take a serious look at this. Okay. So what is a good strategy on converting some of my annual donors to monthly donors? So the key thing is monthly donors are not your big check writers, right? So so if you look at your database, your list of donors, Take a look, find those that are giving less than $250. So when you send them an appeal, they give less than $250. Keep the $250 and up. Keep those for your, you know, higher donor versions and, and you know, ask them to write a $500 and $1,000 check, right? So, so keep them out of that. And then target those donors who have given less than $250 depending upon how often you send appeals in your in your organization, because they know it's all over the map, right? But if say you're sending two appeals a year, well, you might have some donors that are giving twice a year. So those are even more likely and more comfortable giving monthly, right? So take a look at how many donors you have that give less than 250, how many donors that you have that gave more than once in the last year, and then use them and uh, you might even do an appeal to ask them to consider a monthly gift, right? But email is so much easier. And it's like, you know, again, it's not a lot of heavy lifting and you can direct them directly to the uh, monthly page. So I would start with email, build it in to your, uh, your activities. And it's been your experience that monthly donors end up increasing their giving? Why is that? Because again, remember, these are really great donors, right? They care about your organization. They're committed. They're in essence like investing on a regular basis in your organization. So if you do the stewardship piece, right? If you keep them up to date on how their gifts are making a difference, you can do that with email newsletters. You can do that with print newsletters if you have them. You can do that with just email updates, with you know, with social media. All of these things that you are already doing include your monthly donors in those updates, so that they always know that they're valued, that they're cared for, that their gifts are making a difference. And then a couple of times a year, include them in special appeals, in your year-end appeals, in your Giving Tuesday emails, where you ask them to consider a extra gift. And if you do that right by making sure that you recognize them and saying, thanks so much for your monthly support, but today is Giving Tuesday. I wanted to let you know about this special match. Would you consider an extra gift? And donors are going to say, 
yeah, of course, I'm happy to make an extra gift, right? Because you asked me to do that. And you've been really keeping me up to date on how my gifts are making a difference. So I'm really happy with you. I'm engaged. I'm involved. So I think those are those are just like a, just a couple of times a year. You can include your monthly donors in, in extra appeals, in special appeals, in special messaging, asking for an extra gift. They want to help. But you got to, you know, just like anything with fundraising, you you do have to tell them that, you know, you'd love to get their special support. Uh, I saw one statistic was like uh, monthly donors, 6% of monthly donors give at least one extra gift a year. 12% of monthly donors are willing to upgrade their monthly gift if asked. So if you do both, right, if you ask them to upgrade in the beginning of the year and later on you're asking them for an extra gift, then you're uh, generating even even more money, right? Mm. We're speaking with Erica Wasdorp about how monthly gifts might make more sense for your fundraising plan. I told you this was going to be a great conversation. Now, so far, we've been talking about the upside of recurring gifts, but when we come back, we're going to investigate whether there is a downside to this strategy and how your nonprofit can start doing this tomorrow. You're listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. One of the biggest challenges facing nonprofits today is securing grants. Where do I find information on grants? How do I write a grant? And how do I submit the grant? And then, of course, the dreaded midnight deadlines. Hi, I'm Teresa Stos, and I have been there and done that. At Sukup Strategic Solutions, we have a team of expert grant writers with years of experience writing hundreds of grants for nonprofits just like yours. Visit our website today at SukupStrategicSolutions.com and schedule a free consultation about your grant writing needs. That's S-O-U-K-U-P StrategicSolutions.com. Let's work together and get the grant that your nonprofit deserves. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. We're speaking with Erica Wasdorf about how monthly gifts might make more sense for your fundraising plan. Now, Erica, you've been doing this for a long time, so I'd like to hear one of your best success stories, a nonprofit that you helped try to convert some of their donors to monthly donors and the huge impact that it had on their fundraising. There's a, uh, an animal welfare organization that when I started working with them, uh, I, I said, okay, well, how many monthly donors do you have? And they had 50. And they had a huge file. They had just never asked for it. They had just never, you know, it was just like those 50 that had come in were basically organically, basically not, uh, you know, donors that asked uh, to be become monthly donors themselves. And then we did a couple of emails with a um, simple adding that extra button that I mentioned. So every email that they sent on the bottom was a donate now button and a make this a recurring gift button. And they generated uh, a nice number of new monthly donors every time they sent out an email. Sometimes it was one, sometimes it was two, sometimes it was like 10, you know. So now they're, uh, we're close to 500 monthly donors. Uh, it doesn't suppress one-time gifts, but yet, hey, you've got all these new monthly donors that are coming in. So I got to wonder, what are the pitfalls we should be looking out for? Again, you got to be targeted 
that you don't want to, you certainly don't want to downgrade any donors, right? So no, that's why I said, start with those donors that are giving you less than 250, keep the 250 and up uh, and ask them for, to write bigger checks, right? Having said that, if you have a conversation with the donor and the donor says, I wish, you know, like say it's a thousand dollar donor and they said, hey, I wish I could do more, then you might be able to say, well, could you consider a monthly gift? And then they might write a $150 or $250 a month check and now you've increased their value, right? So just because they're monthly, a major donors doesn't mean that they couldn't start a, you know, monthly gift, but that's not your typical target group. So you obviously you always want to upgrade donors. I think the only, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a downside. It's just as your program grows and if you're only offering credit card monthly gifts, you're going to see that, you know, and again, as your program is, is uh, you know, they're longer, you're going to start seeing that some of your donors, their payment doesn't come in. So you have to remind them, you have to gently remind them that they need to provide you with their updated credit card information. It's like, I know like fundraisers tend to be like, oh, I don't want to call. I don't want to email. I don't want to nag them. And the reality is like the donors want to help. They got a new card, right? Which is typical. Every couple of years you get a new credit card, you know, and it gets a new expiration date. Or if they lost their card, they get a new card. And they don't necessarily remember that they have to let you know about this new card information. So the minute you uh, you see that that card has expired, you need to gently contact the donor and say, wow, we really appreciate your ongoing support, but it seems like uh, your uh, the payment for this month didn't come in. Did you get a new card? And then the donor is saying, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I forgot to let you know. Or, oh, yeah, I was just going to get you, let you, let you know about it. Or, And at that time, when you have a conversation with the donor, the donor might say, oh, you know what? I was meaning to actually upgrade my gift or, you know, whatever. And and just can, you know, so it's, it's a good opportunity to have a conversation and, and tell a little bit more about, again, how that those monthly, monthly gifts are making a difference. Now, you're not going to be able to talk to everybody, so you have to leave a message, you have to uh, send an email, and you may have to send a letter reminding the donor that their card has expired. So as long as the donor has not contacted you and said, I don't, I want to stop this, they want to continue. Okay, so it's just they forgot. I mean, I've done it. I mean, you sit down in January and you're like, oh, let me take a look at all my gifts. I'm like, oops, hey, geez, I noticed that last April I stopped giving to this organization and they never reminded me. And, you know, well, if you don't remind me, I'm not sitting down every month. I'm one of I'm one of those bad people. I'm not sitting down every month with my credit card statement to say, oh, did somebody not, you know, did my gift not go through? And I know donors are busy, right? They're busy with the kids, the grandkids, whatever it is that they're doing, right? So, um, you know, so yeah, so you just got to gently remind them. And it may take a couple of times that you have to remind. So I always recommend that like, you sit sit down like once a week, once a month. Let's call it your monthly donor retention day, right? And you're going to take a look and say, oh, hey, I have 100 monthly donors. I see the two of the payments didn't come in this month. Let me just follow up right away. 
You don't want to wait. You don't want to delegate it. You just want to just take action right that then and there and see if you can you can get them back. So that's the only challenge I would call. I, I don't want to call it a downside. I would call it a little challenge. And I have learned from talking and in, in working with the organizations that the trick with that, with that challenge is annualize the value of the monthly donors at risk. So if you have, say, five monthly donors and they give you $300 a year, right? Well, five times 300 is $1,500 at risk if you don't get them back. Well, $1,500 is worth a little bit of your time to pick up the phone, to send an email, to write a letter, to get that money back. Yeah. So, okay, I'm guessing that in our audience, we have some nonprofits that are like, Erica, we're on board. We're in. We're totally in. So give us some ideas on ways that we can market this new initiative. You mentioned putting it in an email, and I like that. I'm sure people are going to be doing that today. But are there some other ways you can give us? Yeah, so emails are great. Uh, Again, having targeted emails, I mean, create a special monthly donor page if you can, and then start driving people there. Use your social media. So get people to go there. If you have room in your communications plan, send a targeted letter asking donors to consider a, uh, a monthly gift. If you're talking to donors by phone to say thank you, and the donor says, I wish I could do more, then say, well, as a matter of fact, you know, we just launched this wonderful new monthly donor program. Would you consider, you know, making a monthly gift? So those are just a couple of things that organizations can do. I think the other piece is, because I know people get even more excited about that, is like, Think about something like whether it's a giving day or giving month that fits your organization. It could be Mother's Day, it could be Child Abuse Month, it could be World Water Day. I mean, you know, so so something that fits your Earth Day for environmental organizations, fits, fits your organization and say, I'm going to do a whole month worth of focusing on monthly gifts. And, you know, the month of April is going to be all about generating uh, new monthly gifts. So you've got an email, you might have a letter, you have some social media that goes with it, and you might even take over the homepage and say, make a monthly gift. And again, click right through to your uh, monthly only page, Mm -hmm. uh, your payment page. Create like what we call like a sustainer drive matches are magical as you know joe with everything you know people love matches donors love matches so if you can get your board to come on board and say hey we're gonna give thousand dollars or twenty five hundred dollars or five thousand dollars whatever it is if we can generate 20 new multi-donors by xyz deadline those are just a couple of little nuggets and and carrots that you can use to reach out and generate new multi-donors Can you do, I mean, does it make sense to do the standard, what $10 a month will do for fill in the blank mission? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, again, it's, it's no different from what you're doing in your other fundraising. So if you're an organization that has come up with specific ways, like specific amounts 
Like, how does, you know, $50 make a difference? How does $100 make a difference? Well, translate that to $10 a month, $20 a month, right? $20 a month could do this. You know, $10 may help, blah, 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 you know. So, yes, if you can come up with those specific ask amounts, that works with general fundraising. It also works with monthly gifts. And you will always, I think people are like, well, you know, I, I, I'm worried. What is the best amount to ask for? The best amount to ask for is not to be too greedy. So you don't want to say, because I know people say, well, yeah, but I really want $100 a month. Well, that's just not realistic because remember, these are $250 or lower, right? So on your donation form, your online form and your offline form, you know, have a couple of different options. Start with $10 a month, but also have $20 a month and, you know, $30 a month. So give a range. And, you know, donors might be surprising. I mean, you may have like $85 a month as the highest. Well, that's $1,000 a year. So give like four to five different amounts on your form. And donors will pick the amount that they're comfortable with. As fundraisers, we help donors set the price. And, you know, the more specific we can be, the better off you are. But I know like some organizations are just, they, they are having a hard time with coming up with those specific amounts. So if you're, if you can't do it, just say $10 a month, 20. So don't fret about it. Don't overthink it, right? <laughs> just start somewhere because, you know, it's not like you, you're married to the page, right? If you find that $10 and $20 and then, you know, $30 is the most common amount. Well, maybe the next time you start with 15 and 30 and, you know, and 50, right? So you can play around with that. Such great advice. This has been, <laughs> this is fantastic. I, I knew this was going to be a good discussion. We've been speaking with Erica Wasdorf about how monthly gifts might make more sense to your fundraising plan. Obviously, by the end of this conversation, they definitely will make a difference in your fundraising plan. I'm really, really appreciative for this conversation today. I think we've been able to help some of the nonprofits in our audience with a new approach to their fundraising efforts. And really that's the bottom line, giving them something else, another way to reach out to donors, prospective donors. I, Erica, this has just been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. You're welcome. Time now for another edition of Coach's Corner. This is where we take your questions that you send us, and it could be anything that's happening at your nonprofit. It could be something serious. It could be something you just need another opinion on. Whatever it is, you send us the question at impactcoaches at impactability.net, and then we ask our impact coaches the question. And today's impact coach is Cheryl Sukup from Sukup Strategic Solutions. We're actually picking up from where we left off last week. We had a great question and we decided we're going to split it into two. The question, Cheryl, I have several staff members who work remotely. It feels like since COVID has forced many to work this way, productivity has dropped. How do I manage my remote staff and keep them as engaged and productive as in the past? How do I address the issue? Now, in our last Coach's Corner, we talked about technology, and you're right. Technology is going to make a big difference. But what are some of the other ways that we can address this issue? Cheryl, on Coach's Corner, you have five minutes to answer the question, and your five minutes begins right now. 
Well, Joe, thanks so much for bringing this question back again. I didn't get a chance to say all that I wanted to say about this. In fact, this could be an episode all of its own, but I'm going to try to squeeze in a little bit more of an answer in the next five minutes. If productivity is an issue, it might be about prioritizing. And so here's a tip for that. You can use a daily wrap-up exercise paired with direction followed by coaching. So what this would consist of is having one of the employees who, let's just say somebody named Sally is having a difficult time prioritizing her work. Have Sally every day write a list of things that they that she accomplished in that day. And then below that, have her write a list of things that are next on deck, things that she would have gotten to today if she had more time, things she thinks she's going to get to in the next few days. Have this employee do this for a week or two and then review those with her in real time. When you see this daily wrap up come through, respond and give direction on things that should be at the top of the list that maybe are sitting at the bottom or ask questions or help remove barriers. If there's a, if you're not really sure why something is not getting accomplished, see if there's something that you can do to resolve that problem. But in general, if you can use this as a way to help them prioritize what should be at the top of the list, it will help them understand what your, what the, your expectations are, but it'll also help them organize their own work for the day. Once you have finished this two week or three week exercise, have that individuals code their own work, go back through and look at each of the, uh, the individual activities that they worked on and understand where those assignments could have been grouped into different categories. Are these some things that could have been delegated? Are these things that are project work or are they ongoing tasks? You can also code them based on whether or not they are high impact and time uh, sensitive or whether they're low impact or not time sensitive and help begin to help that employee understand that your goal for them is to have them be working in high impact, time sensitive activities as much as you can, making sure that they're prioritizing their time where it's going to have the most impact and deal with anything that's coming up that has a deadline. It will likely feel to that employee like you're micromanaging them. So take this as a warning. Give this assignment to them with a lot of understanding and sensitivity because a lot of people don't like to do this activity. But in reality, it helps remote employees with their own self-management. It teaches them new tricks and tools about how to manage their own time and prioritize their own activities. And in reality, you're just helping them along, coaching them a little bit. They're really doing the work and they are the ones that are self-realizing where their time needs to be spent. One last thing that I want to end on is a high note. Make sure to schedule fun remote activities for your team. In the office, you have an opportunity to do a lot of fun things together. Some of them are just short, impromptu activities, and others are planned activities and events. I think it's really important to share some times together that aren't just work, because in reality, when we work together in person, we do the same. If possible, invite remote staff to a special in-person activity from time to time. If you can create an occasion around uh, other work that needs to be done in person, for instance, maybe if you're including staff members in you know, an all-staff planning session, or if you're doing some activity related to your organization's strategic planning, or if you're trying to celebrate somebody's retirement, those would be good times to schedule an in-person activity that allows people to come together and feel like they are part of a team.
If that's not possible, you might want to do a hybrid, part remote and part in person, to at least include people as much as possible in an on-site activity from time to time. We're not talking about weekly, we're talking about on occasion. So if it's very difficult to get everybody involved, then maybe there's some other ways that you can be creative and think of ways to get them together. Cheryl, thanks so much for being on Coach's Corner today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.